Hello, listeners. I'm Brenda Lone Baker, leadership coach and speaker. Welcome to Fearless Females, Redefining Success in Women's Leadership. I'm passionate about helping women be more than they ever dreamed they could. This podcast records conversations with highly successful women in all kinds of careers. They share their learning and their experiences to help you create a roadmap to your leadership success. Well, welcome. Welcome, everyone, to the Fearless Females podcast. I am super excited today to be interviewing Lisa Frustire. Um, So I will let her tell you about herself. So Lisa, welcome. Thank you for being here. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. And why don't you start by telling us what it is that you do? Right now, I do a combination of things, and I feel incredibly lucky. I do early stage investing, and that focuses on technology investing, and then also channeling capital to underrepresented founders. So that means building ways that capital can go to women to uh, address the really egregious imbalance in how companies are funded, and how capital can go to people of color. Um, As you may know, only 2% of venture capital funding goes to female-run companies, and far less than 1% goes to women of color. So there is almost nothing but upside because it really couldn't get much worse. I see a lot of reason for optimism and change. And at least we're talking about this problem. The other thing I do is I do consulting projects for technology companies. And that's my background. I'm training to be a coach and have started to work with entrepreneurs and executives. And I am investor in residence for a wonderful organization called the Capital Network, which is based in Boston. Yes, great, great network. Lots of awesome information that they provide to entrepreneurs of all levels. Um, So that's great. So how did you get to this place that you're in where you do all of these different things? It's a really good way to put it, Brenda, because I do a lot of different things. And I've always enjoyed doing a lot of different things. I was always driven by two things. One is curiosity. I just wanted to learn new things. And then the other thing which uh, motivated me was I always wanted to learn how to do what I didn't do well. So early on, I started out, for example, as a Russian literature major and uh, was struck by the fact that I didn't have great uh, financial analysis skills. So when I was in business school, I focused on finance. And then while I'd had some experience in technology, I felt like that was a weakness. So I focused on technology 
And so that that's what I've done. And it's led to a career in which I've been in many, many functions from finance to marketing, to engineering, to project management. And I had experiences where I'd go to interviews and people would literally tell me, I don't get your background. To me, it made a lot of sense because it fit together in nice things. And I felt like I was able to use all of those experiences. And uh, what it's enabled me to do is to synthesize things in new ways. And it's allowed me to really jump in in many different kinds of situations to get things done. Uh, you know, I, I feel like, yeah, you can, can always figure it out. Um, it's also a really good thing to know what you know and to know what you don't know and to be really um, unembarrassed about what you don't know and then ask for guidance and help. But my career has kept things very, very interesting and it continues to keep things very interesting. That's great. I'm, I'm curious. So when you start, you... you venture into these things because they're things that aren't your strengths. Did you have a, a, a fondness of them or like for those kinds of things? Or did that develop over time? Or did you, you know, not do them just to learn them? That's a good question. Um, I'd say I was just curious. I was interested in what I didn't know how to do and wanted to demystify it. And I hope to continue to do that um, for the rest of my life. It, it is really interesting to think that you go into things to learn more about them and then that ends up being part of your path. Yes, you're, exactly. You're working exactly. on your weaknesses that then they become your strengths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that in itself is not only it's interesting, it's a good learning experience, but it's a really good skill because going into something and not needing to assume that you know more than everybody, in fact, knowing that you know less than most people do, it's a, to me, a really, really exhilarating feeling. That's, I think you might be uh, somewhat unique in that because uh, I do deal with a lot of women who that is a difficult thing for them when they are going into something that they don't feel confident in. It's a much more uh, difficult transition into those things than maybe some of the things that they, they know they know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think that's interesting. And it makes me think about the whole concept of confidence. And what is the root of confidence? Is it confidence in, um, based on knowledge or confidence based on experience? Uh, I think confidence is really based on a combination of those things. And, but it's also, a part of it is based on what you expect. So if you um, expect to uh, that things to be very easy and that that is what your confidence is based on. Um, that's a that's a valuable thing to know. But um, yeah, just keeps things interesting. It does. Uh, when I teach confidence, I usually use this definition that is from uh, a book, but which I'm not going to think of right now. So I can always put it in the comments when I post this. 
Um, but that that act of when you see someone across the room that you want to connect with in some way, that act of you taking that step, deciding to move and moving, that's what builds confidence. Mm-hmm. Not how well the conversation goes, not that you even talk to them, just that you make that move towards doing something that will build your confidence. Yes. Oh, I think that's such an excellent point. And my advice when I talk to people who are young, and I mean high school, just out of college, my career advice is two words, do stuff, stuff. just do stuff. Because you don't know until you try things, whether you're going to like it or not. And there are, there's virtually no experience that won't help you. My first job was a waitress at a restaurant that's now um, non-existent called Brigham's. Uh And I have found valuable things from that experience that have carried me through my career. So virtually no experience is wasted. And I'm sure it's more than just how you scoop ice cream. (laughs) Very true. Yeah, that's great. Um, So I, I, I always am talking with women and actually it's one of the things that I'm working on now in my own self. And women have kind of this difficulty learning how to assert themselves in a really positive way. You know, we kind of hold ourselves back from it because we feel like there might be conflict or whatever reason, um, don't want to come off in the wrong way. So what do you feel is the best way to assert yourself? First, it's really interesting. And I know what you're talking about. I've had conversations with people about the struggle that women have. If you come across too strong, then you can be threatening or you can be accused of being, well, non-feminine or um, you know, crossing a line. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another word for it that I'm not gonna use, but uh, it's, it's a common accusation of women who are overly assertive. Right. Um, but my, uh, my premise is you can't control what people are gonna think about you. So just ask for what you want. And the worst that somebody can say is no. And this is particularly true for women and in situations when they're asking for money. Um, But, you know, again, you just need to get out there and ask for what you want. I also think that there's a really different, big difference in assertiveness that stems from you versus assertiveness that requires somebody else's response. So we can be locked in fear by looking for validation that somebody else has done what we've requested or affirmed what we believe about ourselves. You actually don't need the other person's affirmation. And it's easy to be paralyzed by uh, venturing out when you need the affirmation from somebody else. I'd say you just pursue what you're curious about you pursue what it is you believe you want and leave it at that. I, I, I suspect that we think more about what it is that we want and we think more about the weight of what we're asking for than others do. So why not just ask? Right. 
I, I love that. And I think it's very true. I've had two women uh, who are my clients recently ask for things that they were very nervous about asking for. And both of them got them without mm. any fuss at all. Like, oh, what a great idea. Yes, let's do that. And so just, just being able to ask things and have kind of that coaching mindset of, okay, if not now, then what do I need to do to get there? Mm -hmm. what, what do you what, think it took for them to get to the point where they were asking? Um, I think both of, one of them is a longer time client and I think her confidence and her, she did a lot of practicing of her communication skills in all different kinds of situations. And so she got to that point where she was able to ask for things because she had tried it before with other things. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other one was went through my leadership program. And actually, I think it was as simple as one of the other participants saying to her, you should do this, you should reach out, you've got this, you can create this. And then she just started thinking about it and said, I can and did it. Because mm -hmm. Another woman affirmed that belief that it's possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, that's great. So I always like to look back at the things. I, I really believe that we learn a lot of things in our childhood. You know, I, I belong to a coaching methodology that you learn all kinds of things between the age of eight and 13 or 15. And you, you learn what hard work is, but you also learn what hard work isn't. And so I always believe that it's really interesting to ask women, you know, what skills from your childhood have really helped you in your leadership development? I was really lucky in that I grew up in a bilingual household and um, I learned Russian before I learned English. And then I got to study French starting when I was in elementary school. My mother's from Brazil. And the first trip I took to Brazil, I was 14 months old and we would go pretty much every year while I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And what I gained, I, again, I was incredibly lucky, exposed to different languages and different cultures. And that language ability and the ability to communicate in different settings with different kinds of people has really served me well. It's been such a gift because I think seeking to understand where somebody else is coming from and being able to communicate across cultures translates beautifully into being able to communicate across functions and across organizations. Uh, the ability to put things into words with clarity and to really understand what it means to understand. So there are some concepts where I might be saying something and I know exactly what I'm talking about, but you have no idea. Right. So understanding the understanding, understanding the misunderstanding, that has really helped me. And I believe that's one of the reasons that I've been able to uh, cross functions because um, the, that early language exposure helped me to pick up the language of other functions in organizations. Yeah, I love that. And I think I'm sure being in the different cultures as well, 
allowed you to see different ways that think people do things. And so then you are not tied into just one way. Mm-hmm. You're open to all different ways of doing things. And there's also an assumption you gain of fluidity. So, you know, you don't necessarily expect things to go one way. Um, you know that things can change. You know that things mean different things in different settings. And you know that there's a way to learn. And you also don't assume that you're always going to understand what somebody's talking about. And that's okay. So it's it's being able to do the translation. It's being able to learn a certain kind of a communication. Um, and it's being able to pick up on the language that others are speaking. That's That's such a neat way of putting it. And I haven't really thought of it that way before, but it is really even, you know, in leadership, it's translating what the leaders above you are saying into a language you understand and then making sure you're translating it and the people below you are understanding it just as clearly. Mm-hmm. So I love that thought of uh, translation. Um, you mentioned communication and I, I believe communication is really a building block in everything, including confidence and all of the other things that are parts of leadership. What do you think um, is, is, I guess the question should be, do you think communication is key as well? And what, what pieces do you think are the most important parts? That's such a good question because, um, it's one word communication, but what do we, what, and we use it all the time, but what does it really mean? And there's, there's a a level of authentic communication that is really important that tells the people who are involved in a conversation or involved in a project or involved in a discussion that they are seen, that they are heard, that they're fully participating. And um, it, uh, it, it just, it's more than buzzwords. It's more than repeating the same thing. Um, it's really bridging a gap and um, coming together as individuals mm-hmm. um, in the in the service of a common uh, common goal, a shared goal. Yeah, that's great. We talked a little bit about you know managing up and managing down. Do you think that you've done anything specific about managing expectations? A lot. And (laughs) I'd say that this is one of the things, you know, we were talking earlier about women working in male dominated environments. Um, Things have probably changed since I started my career. But when I began, um, I was very aware of being one of the few females in a male dominated environment. And I didn't want being female, I didn't want being a parent. Um, to be uh, seen as something that was a disadvantage. And so I would very explicitly get ahead of any glitches that I perceived. So for example, there were times when uh, my kids were small, when I worked a flexible schedule and I was incredibly fortunate to be able to do that, but I didn't want the the topic to be a taboo one. So I would go to 
male colleagues and male managers and just bring it up and say, you know, have there been times when you've needed to find me when you haven't been able to find me? Or, you know, let's just talk about response time and responsiveness, or here's, you know, there, uh, when I'm not going to be available, you know, that kind of a thing. And it, and it wasn't so much to negotiate that, it was just to make it a topic of conversation. This actually goes back to uh, the topic of communication. And when you asked the question, you really meant, you were, you were thinking about communication in the context of leadership. But I think that there's day-to-day -day communication where one of the pitfalls of working is subjects that are taboo because people are worried about bringing them up. So the best thing is to go ahead and bring them up so that they don't become taboo topics. Then you have something to work with. Then you have a conversation that can happen. There's a little bit of a different meaning of communication, um, but it is still, it falls under the umbrella of that important concept. It definitely does. And I love how it fits into managing expectations as well. And a couple of things that I really want to make sure our listeners are, are hearing is that you, you did not use anything. You're managing expectations because you have small children. And yet you're asking, hey, has there been any time that you wanted to get me that you couldn't? You didn't say anything about kids. Anything about having a flexible schedule, you're asking a question, hey, and it really sounds like the way you say it, it sounds like I want things to run as smoothly as possible. How's it going? Mm -hmm. Does anything need to change? Mm -hmm. So, so you're really having this, you're, you're kind of putting that bubble of it's your personal life that's making it that way. And you're really just saying, hey, How's this working for our flow? Mm -hmm. What else needs to happen? And, and I love that because I think the more we can do that, um, the, the number one, the less we feel bad about things, right? Because then we're able to separate them like, oh, you know, I need to make sure that I can talk on this call when the baby's sleeping, right? Or whatever. Um, you know, when I say to people, people will want certain times and I'll say, I'm so sorry, I'm already booked at that time. Mm -hmm. They don't need to know if I'm booked to go to a soccer game, to have a lunch date with my husband or coaching someone or doing other work. Mm -hmm. it's, it's about being okay with your certain circumstances and not bringing all of that into it and just being more methodical about it is kind of the way I heard you doing it. Yes. No, that's absolutely right. Somebody early on told me that she used a phrase, I have a conflict. Mm -hmm. You know, no, I can't do the meeting at four o'clock. I have a conflict. And it happened to be, you know, picking up her son from school. But as you say, nobody needs to know that. Now, you know, having said that, if you say no to every single meeting, that, that's a different, that's a different problem. Right. But being able to get ahead of it, is really important. And yeah, yeah, no, I, I love what you say about, it could be a number of things. We all choose how we balance things. And, and I think you have to, you have to go into it with the assumption that people want to do the right thing. They want to do a good job. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'm glad you brought that point back up again, because that was the other thing I wanted to make sure that everybody hears is that, um, 
oh gosh, it just went out of my head again, that, that, oh, what did you just say about? I was saying we have to go into it with the assumption that people want to do a good job. No, it was about how you're getting ahead of it. Oh yeah, yeah, getting ahead of it. We avoid it and we avoid it and we avoid it. And if you just find a way to bring up the elephant in the room and not make it that it's about you or it's your fault, man, you're way ahead of the game. Mm -hmm. You can have such an easier time with things by saying, hey, this is going to come up. Mm -hmm. How do you want to deal with that? Right up front. And then you're setting those expectations. Yeah. So I love that. Thank you. Yeah, I think we have to be careful not to magnify things in our own minds. We were talking about that a little bit with the assertiveness and confidence. You know, something may mean everything to you, but for the person you're asking, it may be a completely minor topic. And you you don't know that. And it's not a good idea to assume that. Agreed. I think that plays the other way as well. I always think, you know, I talk about leadership so much. Oh, I'm, I, I don't want to say the same things over and over. These people all must know that stuff, right? Because I talk about it all the time. But really, when I go and talk about it, every time somebody's like, oh, wow, I never thought of it that way. Or that's a great way of looking at things. And so we think that everybody else has all of the same information that we do and they don't necessarily. So to, to use it in your confidence, but also like you're saying, to, to ask a question and see if it's something that the other person would be, um, is, is needing a change in or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, have your values changed at all, do you think, over the years? I'd say, uh... Fundamental values have not, but the values that are central to the work I do have. So my values are, you know, things like integrity, which is probably top, top, top on the list. Um, having a work ethic, wanting to do a good job, um, you know, mutual respect of colleagues, um, that sort of thing. Um, adherence to the mission, you know, all of those things are, are really fundamental. But I'd say that over time, um, I've learned different ways to apply my personal values to the work that I do and learned how closely aligned those can be with the work. So for example, uh, when I started investing, I was focused on enterprise technology, but the uh, orientation towards channeling capital to underrepresented founders was something that came after I learned um, how the investment world works. And that has made all the difference. It just feels like an entirely different undertaking when you can see what you're doing as part of um, righting a wrong or addressing an imbalance or serving a cause. And that, that's, I'd say, one of the things that I've learned over time, that if you can make that central. So in other words, you wake up in the morning and you say, here's what I think is important and here's how I can help, try to help to make the world better. Having that at the center of what you do is really, really important. Yeah, I think it really gives you a different feeling about what you are doing and a desire to put yourself into it. I definitely mm -hmm. think anyone, male, female, 
all need to know their values what what's really important to them and be looking at does how does this match up Mm -hmm. more your values can be aligned with what you're doing the more you're going to enjoy it and the better you're going to do it Mm -hmm. just that much more bought in i think everybody wants to find that the challenge is how to do it and then how to match that with what you do professionally. But believing that you can do that is a really crucial first step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, just from the programs and things that I've done, it's a deeper conversation because there are values that you can bring into anything. And and it might take some time. Number one, I think people kind of have a sense of their values, but not everyone goes deep into saying, you know, these are my core values and then these are my secondary values. And that that's the first hard part, but then taking that next step of like, what does that really look like? Mm-hmm. And how do I bring that into every day is, is a, a deeper step and a longer step. And so I think it's a tough, it's not a natural way that people think. And so I think that makes it a little more difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that's another another podcast series, Brenda, because <laughs> that's a that's an ongoing conversation. Yeah, definitely. Um, what would you go back and tell your sixteen-year-old self if you could? Just keep trying different things, and um, know that there's virtually no such thing as a closed door. Just keep experimenting, keep experimenting. And the other thing that I, I, I never would have guessed is that there's always so much ahead. There are always opportunities to learn. When I was younger, I had this vision that my career would unfold, you know, step A to B to C to D to E, and then I'd reach this happy end. And what I love is that I don't think there is a happy end. There's just a happy ongoing. And if you're lucky enough to keep being curious about the next thing and to keep being curious about the ways that you can challenge yourself and keep being curious about where you can put yourself where you're actually not good at it, but you know you know that with practice you will be, um, it's a very exciting path. That's excellent. I wanna add in one quick question. What what would you say to a young entrepreneur about starting a business or what they're doing? Yeah, that's a good question. And I've actually been talking to a lot of women about what drives them to start their businesses. And one interesting thing that I've seen is that for a lot of the women I've talked to, the risk of not trying outweighs the risk of trying. So a lot of us reach a point where we say, you know, I'm curious about this. I wonder if blah, blah, blah. Um, But leaving that question unanswered, yes, the entrepreneurial journey is a risky one. But even if it doesn't work out, trying, people, most people I talk to reach the point where trying and risking failure is... um, a, le- a, a less unattractive outcome. Mm-hmm. 
than not trying at all. If that answers the question. So I guess the way of saying it is like, well, if, if you were to look back and say, well, I, I never tried it, would you regret it in two years or 10 years? Which is somewhat of a common theme with some of the other things that we've been talking about in your life. You know, try things, try them. And the things that you really like, do more of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't like, learn from them and do less of them or work on some of those strengths. So I love, I love that message. I think that's a really great one. Try mm-hmm. everything, try yes. as much as you can. Um, do you have a quote that you really love? Uh, there's one that I really like and it's short and pithy and it's from Henry David Th- Thoreau. Mm-hmm. And he said, live the life you've imagined. And that to me encapsulates so much in just a few words. That's great. I actually take it a bit further and say, actually bigger than you've imagined. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Smaller than we really can go. Yeah. Well, that's, that's actually a really good point. And, you know, who's stopping you from imagining something for yourself? You. Right. Right. Lisa, I have so enjoyed chatting with you today. We could talk for hours longer, but um, you know, we'll we'll have to do another podcast again at some point and talk about some of those other things. But I really appreciate you being here and I know that our listeners are going to get something out of this. Thank you so much, Brenda. It's been wonderful talking with you. Thank you so much to all of our listeners for joining. Please spread the word and share what you've learned here with other women. If there's someone you think that needs to be interviewed for Fearless Females Redefining Success in Women's Leadership, please connect me with her. For more information, you can check out my website, www.innerovation.com. You can like Innerovation on Facebook. Follow me, Brenda Lone Baker, on Instagram or Twitter, and try to stay in touch. I hope y'all have a great day.